Welcome to the Cinescare Podcast, and I am one of your hosts, Matt. I almost said Joe Jans. Matt Speak, <laughs> and I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And Joe, you know, it feels different around here today, doesn't it? It feels like like, like there's a oh cloud lifted. Like uh, yeah, it's like a weight sunny. lifted. Yeah. It's like a sunny day here. Like there's like extra room in the room. Yeah, I I, and I yeah. feel like I could probably speak without being cut off by somebody numerous but, times. Yeah, and I have a feeling that tonight there will be a a, a, a real lack of table slapping and uh, humming and hawing. I could try to work on that if you want. I could probably splice some of that in, but uh, and no. If, it, so those of you out there uh, who don't know, because we haven't said, uh, our our normal third host, well, not host, our super fan, uh, he's not a host, Joe. I will not call him a host yet, <laughs> if ever. Uh, our our super fan, Mr. Mar- our beloved super fan, Mr. Mark Biscati, is not going to be with us tonight Aww. because we are recording on a special night uh, to accommodate a guest. And this would be a Cinescare first, Joe. It is a guest, a a uh, best-selling author. Did you know that, Joe? That we have a I, best-selling author. I did. I'm still impressed. Yeah, I'm because I can't every... write my I can't write my way out of a wet paper bag. So yeah, I'm a well, lover, not a writer. I I am a writer, and I cannot call myself bestseller either. Uh, but he, and he's done it uh, the way that that. Um, I think everybody would love to do it, and that is an indie author. He's not dividing up his royalties to a bunch of different middlemen. He's keeping it all himself, except for what Amazon or whatever, Barnes & Noble or whoever, cuts out of it, I suppose. But uh, anyway, our uh, and I should have asked you this before we started recording, but how do you pronounce your last name, Mr. Patrick? Ruman. As Ruman. R- R-O-O-M-I-N is how... How it would logically be excellent. So our guest is Mr. Patrick Ruman. That's why that's I should have just gone with my instinct because that's what I was going to call you anyway. That's what I've been calling you in my head all these years that we've been chatting back and forth. I'm anyway, Mr. 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 Patrick <laughs> Ruman is our special guest, best-selling author. He has a, a couple books out that just came out this spring and summer. One is called A Place So Wicked, which launched to the top of the uh, Amazon and other charts uh, for what um, what categories? Uh, horror, ghost stories, and things like that? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he has a new one that he co-authored with what, – what's the other author's name that you – Edmund Stone. He has a much better name than me. <laughs> Edmund Stone. Patrick Ruman and Edmund Stone. Those are good names. Those are solid yeah. names. Weighty names. Uh, and uh, but and that one is called... Uh, what's the title of that one? The Little Runaway. The Little Runaway. That's right. Yes. Uh, now, that it's one I, I just finished reading uh, A Place So Wicked. I have not yet had, had a chance to read The Little Runaway. Have you read The Little Runaway yet, Joe? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, so we will get to talk to Mr. Ruman about his process. We'll talk about writing horror, what got him into horror, and all that stuff that we normally talk about here on the Cinescare podcast. But first, as usual, uh, we're going to talk about what we've seen recently. Joe, have you seen anything recently that you care to talk about? I started. I took a pause button to the movie syndicates i started watching uh american horror stories i used to love that series and i lost interest season after season season it just sort of waned interest because of the fact that like you had stated in the previous episode their biggest downfall was trying to keep a storyline together for 10 and 13 episodes in a row right and now they're doing more of a short story anthology. The first two episodes um, were back at the uh, the murder house, and it was uh, very riveting. I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. And But when it was done, I feel like they made the right choice. They said all they needed to say about that. It was a little snippet of information about what's been going on recently, and then they moved on. The third episode completely changed the fourth episode is going to be totally different um actually matt i know you said you hadn't seen episode three but 
it's about a uh, a horror film that uh, sort of has a long-lasting effect on people, and they're showing it at a drive-in. There's protesters, and you know, of course, as you would imagine, laughter ensues. Uh, very good. I, I'm I'm really jazzed about the fact that every week, or at least every other week, I can sit down and watch American Horror Stories. And by the way, they did change the name to make it plural, um, and get a new, fresh take. And I'm not just dragged through the mud like I was season after season. So that's what I've been spending my time on. Uh, Matt, how about you? Uh, what? Yeah, I agree. And like I said last time, American Horror Story, the, the biggest problem with that show was that it would bog down. They, it was like they had a great idea and they could they could most seasons make it last a couple episodes, but then they they'd lose track of what they were doing or whatever. But uh, so this is I think this is a fantastic idea, too. But I have only watched the first two episodes. I haven't seen three or four. Did you watch number four yet? Is that what did you say? I, I have not. It is. Okay. There's a Santa Claus type theme. Oh, interesting. Like a Silent Night, Deadly Night type of uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I wonder if that's a th- uh, throwback to season two of American Horror Story because uh, Asylum was the one where they had like a killer Santa Claus come on. Oh, um, right. Yeah. I will say, though, that episode three with the movie theater or the drive-in, I should say, uh, the gentleman who played the clown uh, oh, yeah. with the big smiley mask on, uh, that mm-hmm. actor makes an appearance in the drive-in oh. movie. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say the words drive-in massacre, yeah. but drive-in <laughs> massacre, yeah. I don't think we need to hear those words anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what did I see? I've seen, actually, I, I squeezed in a, a few movies in the last week or so, including two in the last day, uh, I or last 48 hours, I guess. I saw The Mist, finally, and uh, I know that was one that, that you and Mark were pushing. That was on your top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, I liked it. I thought I, I thought it had a fantastic ending. I think you're right. It was a great ending. It was not one that I was expecting. Although I mean, I was expecting it because you kind of told me. Spoiled but it. Yeah. I, I would not have been expecting it if I had seen it without that. I, I would have liked to have seen it, but uh, because Michelle definitely had a uh, a stronger reaction to the ending than I did because I kind of knew it was coming. But um, I. I tried to push that out of my mind as I was watching it, uh, but it, it it was good. I thought it was a, a fine movie. I do think that the the last third of it was you know uh, the best part of it, especially the ending. But uh, yeah, I liked it. And then I watched a movie called Jacob's Wife, which I rented on Amazon. And this is this one was kind of interesting. It was about uh, it's and it's with Barbara Crampton. If you re, do, you remember her, Joe, from Reanimator. She was no. the girl, the girl in Reanimator. Okay. The what you remember when they they have the head in Reanimator at the end and they stick it on the girl and she's laying there on the table naked. That's her. Right. Okay. Uh, of course, she's much older now, but she still looks fantastic for her age. And um, basically, she is in a marriage with a minister and it's kind of a loveless marriage and she's unhappy and he's kind of a, you know, he kind of talks over her all the time. And so she finds an old flame and they go out to someplace and, and start making out and they get interrupted by something that attacks them. And of course it's a vampire story. She becomes a vampire and it's about that. And it was, it it's kind of a throwback story a little bit, which is perfect for Barbara Crampton being in it, but it's, it was a good, entertaining movie. I liked it. It had a little bit of dark comedy to it. Uh, there were some good uh, practical effects, which I always love. And um, it's just great to see her. You know, she's, it's, she's just such an iconic horror actress, actress. It's, it's, um, it's nice to see her in a movie again and getting a really good role too, not just some B movie that they, you know, hire her for. And then today, Today? No, yesterday, last night, in fact, we rented a movie called Werewolves Within. And this, if anybody has a subscription to Fangoria, 
<clears throat> which I do, and it's sitting next to me. Uh, this is on the cover of Fangoria. It's a very, brand new release. I think it's in the theaters, but it's also rentable on Prime. And it is uh, directed by Josh Rubin, who directed a movie called Scare Me that I think I I, I uh, talked about last year. It might have I might have been one that I watched. I don't think it was Shocktober. It was it was one I watched sometime in the fall or winter last year, and um, I talked about it on the show. And it, it just I think I did anyway. I I don't remember now, but um, it I kind of liked Scare Me. I thought it had some interesting parts, but it, it was a little bit overboard, and it seemed like it should be like a play rather than a movie. And there's some elements of that in Werewolves Within. It's definitely horror comedy. Uh, there's some great practical effects, and there it's basically these people living in a uh, like a mountain town. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that uh, werewolf movie that came out last year that I had talked about, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, I think is what it was called. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of that. There are people snowed in at a bed and breakfast, and there's a werewolf out there killing people. And you don't know who the werewolf is. They kind of suspect it's one of the people at the bed and breakfast. Uh, it it It's a comedy. I I wish that if it was funnier, it would be this would be like a classic. It, it's it's got so many great elements to it, and the characters are so great. The actors are so great, but it's just not as funny as it needs to be to to like take it over the edge. I give it three and a half cuts. I think it's good. It's definitely worth watching. I think you'd like it, Joe. Um, but it's just not. It's just it's just a hair away from being a comedy horror classic. Um, but as it is, it's still good. It's worth watching, I think. I love the actors. And the AT&T girl in those commercials is in it. Well, I can't remember her name now. Uh, Elena oh, we Weintraub or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I know name. what yeah. movie you're talking about, yeah. She's in it, and she's pretty good. It just came out, though. So it's um, it's it's a great movie, I, I think. Or, all right, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie. It's definitely worth checking out. So uh, that's all I've got. For, for this week in terms of movies I've watched. So uh, that brings us to... You've probably been spending all that extra time reading. I have. <laughs> and I finally uh, found the time, made the time this week to... I, I had started it and then I just you know, got to busy doing all kinds of other things with the podcast and writing my own stuff or whatever. But I finally, this week, I sat down and I was like, when we have him on the show this week, I've got to read this book. So I finished it. And actually, once I, I sat down and, and started reading it, I got hooked. And I finished probably three quarters of it just yesterday. And uh, I, I thought it was a great book, um, really exciting. Uh, had some spooky moments for sure, but it was a, a really uh, interesting story. Uh, and that was, of course, A Place So Wicked. Uh, by our guest, Mr. Patrick Ruman. So um, I, I know that you are basically what we would call a an indie author, I guess. You're, you're, you've published these yourself, but you have also managed to turn this into um, something I, I'm assuming is, has been, I guess, somewhat at least somewhat lucrative, but also uh, successful. I mean, you are. You have a little tag on Amazon that says bestseller. Uh, so, so what? What is your? How have you been able to turn? You know, to beat the system and and really uh, get yourself out there without all the middlemen that most people have to go through. Uh, well, uh, firstly, I would say ads. You got to pay for a lot of ads. Uh, you got to you got to spend money to make money, but I make it all back, which is interesting. Uh, if you want to talk about that, but my uh, I have some buddies who I talk to whose ads do or do not work nearly as as well, and for some reason mine just do really well. And then I also go into uh, you, you're talking about like, groups. Are you like, talking about Facebook ads or yeah, like or... you pay for yeah yeah you pay for like Facebook ads and uh, it's, it's really an art to it honestly. Like it's just it's not as is as, as easy as easy as one would think it is. I have people message me literally all the time, like, why why are yours working and mine aren't working? 
Uh, and then yeah. I try to walk them through it. And then I'll, also I communicate a lot in social media, like Facebook groups and stuff. People uh, ask about what book people are reading. And sometimes I mention mine and sometimes other people mention mine. And I just communicate a lot with everybody. I'm very yeah, I, accessible. I have noticed that you're on you're on uh, Facebook a lot. But I, you have something going on because Facebook has monetized everything so much. And, I mean, we have tried – a lot with even our podcast getting people to interact with us on on uh uh social media and it's just not easy for i i feel like they're not seeing a lot of our stuff so whatever you've got going on you gotta share some of those tips with us. they they really they really whatever they do i don't know exactly what they do but like where i notice the largest effect is actually not my i have my author page and then i have my uh, my profile as you probably also have and uh, it used to be that my profile, like, I could see a, a, you know how Facebook does, like, oh, two years ago, you posted this, you know? And I could see a post I posted, like, two years ago about something, and it would have, like, 400 likes on it. But if I were to post that exact same thing word for word now, even though I sell way, way, way better than I did back then, if I post the same thing again, it'll get... A, an eighth a seventh of of like the likes and the communication it's like facebook whatever they're doing it used to be that they were just suffocating the pages i used to never use my page for anything because it was pointless but now it's like they're suffocating the profile too i don't know if it's because they want me to go to my page you know i don't know how smart they are about that but whatever they do it's it's suffocating and it yeah. goes with everybody everybody i talk to um like my buddy duncan ralston if you know him he he has the similar issues. Yeah, it's I that that is something I've noticed too. And and it, back when I first got published, uh, I would post something about my book on my personal page, and I'd get hundreds and hundreds of likes and comments and all kinds of stuff. Now, if I post a picture of my dog, I'll get maybe that many likes and po- comments. But if it's a pic- picture of my book. I, well, it'll get like hardly seen at all. And so they have some sort of crazy AI going on there that filters out anything that they think you're trying to monetize. And if it's if it's your dog, fine. But if it's your dog wearing your book, <laughs> they they somehow know. I don't know what it is they're doing. but That's why I have this like method. I don't know if it actually works, but between posting about anything serious like a book or something – uh, post like memes, like reading memes and stuff, things that uh, I'm fairly certain will get the attention. And so in my my hopes is that like if, say, Susie likes a few of my posts, maybe it'll show her my reading posts. Maybe, maybe not. And so I'll post lots of memes in between my serious posts in hopes that it'll like either throw off Facebook or, or bring in more people seeing it. I don't know if it works or not, but it's my it's my thing. Yeah. Um Joe, did you have anything you wanted to ask him too? Actually, yeah, I just uh I I'm a uh, I have only read one of your books. I I read uh, A Place of Wicked a few months ago, a huge fan. Uh loved your ability to describe smell. Um so <laughs> I, I I like the, it it was palatable, uh, the stench that was coming out of the house or the basement, I should say, and the floorboards. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you could uh, give us sort of a, an, an overview, a synopsis of Toby and his family, you know, back in uh, Black Falls, New York, and uh, and what they, you know, give our give our, our listeners, uh, the handful that we have, um, a bit of a synopsis. Tell them why they should be reading your book. Well, they should be reading it for uh, because there's this creepy basement and a door. That's, I mean, that's yeah. the number one reason. But uh, they, it starts out as a pretty classic horror story, I think. Like, nothing really special initially. Uh, a family moves into a new house, I believe, because of a job opportunity. I write so many books at a time that sometimes I mix it up. But I'm pretty sure it's a job opportunity. And uh, But then things start going south, and they, they, they smell some funky smells and it's all stemming from the basement from 
a room in the basement and they can't seem to get the room open and certain people in the book seem to maybe have access to that room but nobody can really for for various reasons well the reason changes why they can't get into the room but uh there's a whole lot to it there's a whole lot to it there's there's ghosts I really, I think I layered it really well. There's ghosts, but the ghosts don't necessarily have to do with, you know, the the evil. I'm, I don't want to give anything away. Sure, <laughs> I'm trying sure. To, I'm trying to talk without giving it away. But uh, I, I had people message me and be like, I thought, I thought these entities were gonna be the villains, but then perhaps they weren't. You know, I don't know. I think you should read it because I think I. I I think it's just really well put together, honestly. I came up with the whole story. Uh, <laughs> I get inspiration from movies, and I thought this would be interesting because you guys talk about movies. <clears throat> I, I was watching the movie Vivarium, which you probably haven't heard of because I hadn't heard of it. It was on Amazon Prime, and it has that guy in it that's in Zombieland and uh, Now You See Me. He's a... Uh, I can't Jesse Jesse something. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like Heisenberg, Heisenberg or something. Jesse or Eisenberg, something. yeah. Yeah, Eisenberg. Yeah. yeah, he's in it. And that movie, they uh, they just get a house. They they're looking for they're a young couple and they're looking for their first home together. And they oh. move into this. Uh, yeah, I they go exactly, look at this. I know exactly. What yeah, they look about. in yep. this. They go to this area where all the houses are the same, and same. before they know it, they're just trapped. And I'm like, that's actually. I was watching that, and I was like. I mean, can you can you can you see the connection? Like sure, I sure can. I'll even mention the movie. It just yeah. kind of went wet in my head. I was like, "That's a story that I'm going to write." Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say you do a wonderful job um, sucking the reader into an experience because I can tell you that Toby's encounter in the book with the real estate agent trying to get that key, um, I was just as infuriated as the main character was. And I, I, I had to put the book down at the time because I had to let my mind sort of spin off what I would have done in that scenario and what that building would have looked like when I was done talking to that, uh, that real estate agent. Um, I, was, I was really hoping it was going to turn violent. But, um, yeah, he did a wonderful job sucking me as the reader into there. And also, I got to say, a wonderful job. Uh, describing every teenage boy's wildest fantasy with the girl across the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody asked me, actually, uh, if their child could read that book. Just recently, they were like, can my child read that book? And I'm like, oh, if they yeah. skip like one chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's always interesting when somebody's it, it wants to see if their like fifth grader can read a horror. But I'm like, you do know it's a horror novel, right? Like, you know, you might want to. Uh, it just depends. Of course, obviously, it depends on the fifth grader, I guess. But uh, uh, so, okay, so you got the idea basically from watching that movie for this. But then, when you sit down to write, do you do you have an outline? Uh, that you go by, or what is it they call it? Uh, are you a planner or a pantser? Do you go by the seat of your pants, or do you have an outline and a plan? Honestly, uh, for everything I'd ever written up until that book, up until A Place So Wicked, I had plotted it out thoroughly. But while plotting things really keeps the books you know, in order, it also can hamper you down, because there's a lot of times where I would write a book and I'd be plotting it, and I just couldn't think of something to put in a, a certain area, and then I would s- stop, and then go start something else, and be and and be like, oh, I'll go back to it when I get that idea. But then I don't always get the idea. But for a place so wicked, I just started writing. I was just like writing and writing and writing, and it just kept coming to me, the first time ever. And then uh, I had written the little runaway actually before a place so wicked. I wrote it with Edmund, and Edmund doesn't, uh, he doesn't do the whole plot thing. He just writes. And so initially, with he and I, we tried plotting it, and things just weren't working, so we just jumped in and started writing. And honestly, he, he, that helped me write the, the Wicked one, because that carried over. I immediately wrote that right after writing The Little Runaway, because we were shopping that one around initially, um, for various reasons. And so... 
I did I did pretty much no plotting outside of the general idea, which was magical. Honestly, I was like, I've never done this before. How is it working so well? Yeah, that's interesting. And for, for Little Runaway, you okay? So uh, I'm sorry. L- let me go back to uh, Place of Wicked. So that one you you wrote just as you went, right? And and uh, kind of organic. That's generally how I write too. I I I usually have some kind of idea or an outline, and I go away from it as soon as pretty much as soon as I get to the computer. But um, but for and so uh, did. And that's an unusual process for you, right? Is is yeah. just just writing by the seat of your pants. Um, but that's how having I've been doing done it. it. Having done it, do you see yourself sticking with that form, or what? Do, what do you think? Actually, yeah, I started uh, writing another one with Edmund called uh, the running title is the Adirondack Witch. I don't know if that'll be the final title, but I've been pretty much freeballing the whole thing. Nice. Yeah, so and I think that might be like the that. new thing. I mean, it would be impossible to probably write write a book if if one person's plotting everything out, and yeah. the other person the other person's not. But how do you, have you enjoyed writing with somebody else? Yeah, I find it the primary reason I do it is like I write my own stuff in in between. Like I have another whole book already, pretty much ready. But in this day and age, it's like if you're not putting something out just constantly, like if you're putting out one book a year. So many people are putting them out faster than that that it's like you'll be forgotten in the blink of an eye. And so I've been writing books with people in between my own books so that those gaps are shorter. I'm already in talks with other friends and comrades about uh, writing things with them once I get done with this one with the admin. And I I, I think I'm going to keep doing that. It's going to be like my book and then a, a co-author book and then my book and usually – I make it easy on these on these these gentlemen uh, because I already have the idea, like the witch one that I'm writing right now. I already had that whole thing, and I'm like, here's this idea I have, and here's how it's going to play out. Do you do you want to do it with me? Mm. And it's either yes or no. So it's, it's not a whole lot of pressure on on them, but yeah. So I I primarily do it to to keep the products coming so that I don't get forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Uh, do you have a website? Do you do you blog at all, or is it pretty much just social media that you use? Pretty much just social media right now. I keep trying. I keep getting close to making a website. Like everybody I know has websites except me, but I just I I know so little about it that I'm like hmm. I, I don't I hardly know where to start. And so when Honestly. it comes to something like that, it's very easy to just put it off. Yeah. In in my opinion, unless you're creating specialized content that's only available on your website or your blog, I don't know that they're relevant and necessary anymore. I mean, I, for the most part, design websites on a daily basis for various uh, businesses, and we get most of our traffic through social media. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, more they're... like they're more like necessary evil placeholders. Yeah. The only thing I really want one for is. I have some buddies who've gotten, uh, you know, deals like audiobook deals and 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 this and that. And the people, it's always the same. Oh, they got a hold of me through my website because nobody wants to message you on Facebook and be like, "Hey, I'm this professional," because it doesn't come off as professional, like inherently. And so, I don't have a Facebook. So, I had, <laughs> I had another guy get a hold of me about doing a, a an interview for a a school type thing. I think he has like a class or something. And he messaged me on my Facebook page. I didn't even see it for like a week. And so that's, that's the primary reason I want a a website so I could at least pretend to be professional. Yeah. So what, what got you into horror? What, where did it start? What, what got you, what What went so wrong that you got into horror? What made you take a turn? Uh, well, the initial story honestly was, ego to an extent uh not horror specifically but writing uh, there was a time when i must have been like 17 or, or or 18 or 16 you know sometime around there i don't even know but i would watch movies and i would just be like this this isn't that good but but if they would have done this i think it would have gotten so much better but they didn't do that and then i'd constantly have those thoughts like criticizing these movies and thinking i 
could somehow be better, even though I had never written anything in my life at the time. And so that's that's really what sparked it. And then uh, in 10th grade, I had this wonderful teacher named Miss Hansen who had this little assignment. This is always my go-to story here. Uh, had this little assignment that was write something that scared you. And so everybody, everybody, you just had to write like one page. It was nothing, nothing too big. But I like went crazy on it. And I didn't write about something that scared me. I just made up a whole story. It was the first time I'd ever done that. It was like 10 pages long. And it made my teacher, you know, go to the bathroom in her pants. And she gave me like 150% hung it up on the wall. And I was a bad student. I, I didn't do well in school. Not academically necessarily. I just wasn't a, a good kid. And uh, so that was like the first time I'd ever been praised for anything ever. And uh, I was just like, wow, I can write, I can write a story. <laughs> and then I wrote one when I was like 18 about, uh, it was actually called, it was, I wrote a book called Sin. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, the initial, yeah. the first version of it was I lived in a trailer park when I was little uh, and way out in the woods, my brother and I, we had, we had walked and really, I think what all we did, I think all we did was walk to the next house down, but through the woods. But at the time we were, I was like 12. <clears throat> and so I thought I was like deep in the, you know, the jungle here. And we came across the house. Like that's a, it was a legitimate story. And we were like, what the heck? And we turned around and we got, <laughs> we were like, nope. And, uh, but I really think it was just my neighbor's house. And, uh, when I was like 18 ish, I wrote a whole book based on that idea and it was horrible but then I rewrote it when I was a few years later but uh so culminating between a school assignment and uh my first book being based on a true story mildly very mildly true story uh and thinking that I could be better than uh these tv writers that's that's how it all came together into uh me Do were you a fan of horror movies or horror books at the time as well or or Oh, absolutely. I watched the Nightmare on Elm Street series when I was like 10 years old. And yeah. uh, and it. I remember actually re watching uh, it and one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies on the same day when I was little. And my little brother, who was just not into that, uh, <laughs> got up and went into the other room. I remember him being – we were like, either stay here and watch it or go. And, and he went, and then I believe me and my older sibling – watched the movies and then I had nightmares for ages but I just kept coming back I uh after I watched it for the first time and I was I was not old I made my mother stand sit in the bathroom while I took my baths for like months because <laughs> I was confident that I was getting pulled down that drain I was like I'm gonna die mom if you're not in here <laughs> Yeah, but I kept watching them anyways. It made no sense. I was horrified, but I must have enjoyed it. I'm sick. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a common uh, kind of a, a common story among people who get really into horror movies. They they get they're really scared of them when they're a kid. Like it terrifies them, and then at some point that terror and the and the horror of it uh, turns into you know turns into something basically love, you know? Uh, so it, it, I, I think every, I, so many people that I've talked to who are really into horror movies, like either watching them or making them or, or writing books or whatever that is horror that they, they have the a similar story that they were terrified of them when they were younger. I, and that was true for me too. Me too. I didn't sleep for days after seeing Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. And now I'm, a grown-up man-child talking about them every yeah. other week on on the lack of a better term radio. <laughs> you uh, you guys were talking. I didn't want to interrupt you guys earlier. You guys were talking about movies you'd watched. I wanted to throw in that I did watch the Fear Street series, and I oh, was yeah. just blown away by how good it was. Like, and I felt yeah. so good because I was like, these are based on it, books. The books and the movies, you know, I always, it, I felt like it was only Stephen King that was getting that honor for the longest time. And now it's been, you know, the bird box and these fear streets and, and it's just like a whole new world. They're realizing yeah. that these books are, they don't have to recycle the same movies 700 times. They mm -hmm. can uh, just jump onto the horror bestseller list and, and find something worth it. And, 
And yeah. uh, one thing I was thinking of earlier when you asked me if I <clears throat> if I had watched anything recently, uh, that redhead girl in the show, like she's, I feel like she's gonna be like an icon. Uh, in, she's in the one from Street. Yeah, she's in like the Stranger Stranger Things, and then she's in yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I wonder if she has. I wonder if she has the fear that uh, she's going to get labeled uh, as, like, a horror figure. Because I know there's been people who who have gotten that label throughout their acting career, and they either like it or regret it. And uh, I already – I don't even know what else she's in besides those. I already picture her as the the horror girl. So so that's – so we'll see about that. But – and I also watched – I couldn't think of the name of it, so I looked. I looked it up actually while we were talking. And I watched this movie called The Eighth Night, which is on Netflix, and uh, it's like Korean or something. I think it's like Korean, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it's all like subtitles and stuff. Uh, it's all no. What's that word? You know, when they have the English words going over, but they're not actually talking. Dubbed or, or subtitled? Dubbed. Dubbed. Yeah. yeah, it's like dubbed. I, uh, but like the story is not all that good, but the the effects are really good. Like there's scenes where uh, where there's creatures and it's just done really well. And then I watch this other movie. I've been watching the for- foreign movies recently called. Uh, I watched this one called The Strange House. That's on Netflix and it's from like uh, it's like Norwegian or something. And so it's also dubbed, which kind of you know throws it off a bit. But it's uh, pretty good too. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'll have to check those out. What, what was the Norwegian one? The Strange House. It's on. Oh. Uh, it's on Netflix. So huh. it was the Eighth Night. Actually, oh. I wanted to point out too, uh, Patrick, when you were talking about some of the actors in um, Fear Street, the uh, there's an actor Fred Hetchinger, who um, he was like the teenage boy in the 1994 that was the friends with them who's wearing like a white t-shirt uh he's another one that i think is going to be a big up-and-comer i just saw him he's in hbo's um the white lotus series that's on now uh he's i i gotta say he's he's one of those like dark horses in the running i think he's going to be a fantastic actor one of these days yeah i think i think a lot of those kids from that show are were I mean, they were all pretty good actors. Um, the main, that main girl, uh, I think, I think she was kind of mixed race or African American. She, she, I thought was fantastic, and I thought her girlfriend was really good too. And, and of course, it's also starring that that uh, actress from uh, Community, the show Community. She's in it as well. So it was, it was a really good, strong cast. And and one guy, there's a guy in it. He had kind of curly hair. I can't think of his name. I, I, I don't think I know his name. Um, but he had kind of curly hair, and he was in the the reboot-ish um, sequel of Halloween that came out a couple years ago. Uh, that kid, I actually saw him on the airplane a couple weeks ago. And when I was flying back from Iowa, he was on the airplane. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was a, a good, strong, young cast. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of those guys. Did, did you read uh, – did either of you read – the Fair Street books? No, I did not. I actually did, and uh, a funny story about that is at the beginning of the first movie, that lady holds up the one book called The Wrong Number, and she essentially says it's trash. That was my favorite Fear Street book. So when she <laughs> held up to that, I was like, you take that back. I don't want to <laughs> hear it, Karen. You take it back. And, what, uh, sorry? The, 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 the episode, or I mean the show, these shows they weren't from actual books were they no no they weren't i looked at them early yeah i was like i gotta find these loosely based weren't they yeah yeah they were the characters the concepts yeah i was legitimately hurt uh so that i don't spoil any but spoil anything i won't be specific but when a certain couple characters died in yeah in the in the first one i was legitimately sad i was like no no yeah and then i (laughs) We were too. My wife and I were the same way in that scene in the grocery store. There were a couple, yeah, that, that whole part of it, I was like, and I, and 
I, not only was I shocked that they killed those characters because they I liked the characters, but I was also shocked how graphically they how were killed. They were killed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then uh, but then when in the second movie when they they get they all get get roles you know again in all the movies I was so happy about that I was like oh they're back it's like they never went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then in uh, actually all three of them they were all they all had roles or well at least in the third one anyway. Um, yeah, they all got roles and new accents. Yeah, <laughs> there was uh, <laughs> there was uh, the twist at the end of the nineteen uh, nineties one, the one with the camp, the with the nineteen eighties, nineteen eighties, yeah. Yes. Okay, see, so yeah. I can't get it right. All right, the seventies, yeah. Uh, that twist at the end with the with the name. I uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Where they, uh, the girl isn't who they oh, thought yeah. she was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't understand the point of that. Like, they were like, oh, I'm really her. And I'm like, okay, but why? Yeah, I, d- I didn't understand why that. It was like they made us think that the, the, the person was somebody else all that time. And I was, but there was no good reason. Yeah, for there was that. no like, point for it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was well, like, why, all right. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was true. I guess it was just to have a shock, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it didn't make much sense. And it really had nothing to do with anything else. So, um, I was like, did I miss something? Cause I don't, yeah. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, uh, what, what's the, when do you anticipate your next book coming out? Uh, well, I have one done, but I was shopping it at a couple places, uh, which probably won't go, uh, you know, nothing will probably come of that, but, I, I wanted to release that one after my next one, so I needed something to kill time anyways. And so the one I'm writing now, I'm like 80, 90 pages into it, I think, or like more like 80. Uh, but I'm plowing through that. That's that's only in a couple of weeks. So yeah. I'm going to guess uh, in in a in a good world, I would say like October-ish, October, November, that one will probably come out. Nice. Make me world famous finally, you know. Nice. Pat. I, I wanted to know, uh, when you're writing all these books, do you like to read other people? Like, do you do you still try to catch up on that, or do you like to isolate yourself? Uh, I guess, in an essence, to to try to be not influenced by anybody else. Uh, well, I'm actually always into a book, but right now I generally gravitate towards audiobooks because I can listen to them to and from work. And I'm uh, currently listening to a World War II like historical fiction novel, so it's not horror. But uh, Katie, uh, why can I not think of her name all of a sudden? Katie Quinn, Kate Quinn. She's such a much much better writer than I am, <laughs> but it. Yeah, no, I never, I never, I never cut myself off. But a lot of times I'll be listening to like a Stephen King novel, and honestly, it makes me better. Cause or like Jonathan Jans, uh, if you know who he is, uh, he, I was reading, listening to one of his books, and he kept using some certain words like undulating. <laughs> I learned new words. I listen to them, and I'm like undulating. I'm like, that's a great word. Why haven't I yeah. been using that? So that happens to me all the time. So really, it keeps my vocabulary from reverting back to like a fourth grade level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I try to do audiobooks too, but I, I wind up listening to a lot of podcasts too. So I, I don't get as as many audio, but I should do them. I narrate them. I, I'm narrating a cookbook right now, which is the most bizarre thing I've ever done. But really, I was going to ask at the beginning. I was like, he had he has a, a pretty smooth voice. I wonder why if he's uh, yeah. I've done a considered... couple. I did. I narrated my own book, the first one, and then I narrated a, under a different name um, because I I'm a teacher, so I narrated under a different name a steamy romance. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I now I'm narrating. Actually, uh, I was offered to narrate. Uh, Richard Branson's autobiography, but the thing is like 800 pages long, and they wanted it done by September 1st, I think, or something. I'm like, I can't get that done in that amount of time. I just, I won't. So I decided to do this cookbook, and the cookbook, I looked, I, I was looking for anything that had a lot of reviews, and this cookbook has tons and tons of reviews. So I was like, oh, okay, well maybe it'll sell, but I just don't know who's going to do cooking, listening to an audio book. But we'll see. Oh, hey Matt, could you? Could you say the words 
fold in two eggs, but really sultry. <laughs> fold in two eggs. See, this is like female porn. You know, that's <laughs> that's what these women are crying for. They want Folding to hear your voice. I, I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know about say, that. Whip my batter. <laughs> say, uh, say next time on Smooth Blues. <laughs> next time on Smooth Blues. God, I love oh, yeah. Uh, well, Matthew, how about uh, you, though? Uh, not to swerve it too, uh, too towards you, I guess, but uh, Crow's Creek and Devil's Glen, what are those about? I've actually always been on like the precipice of reading those. I think I have both of them, but I haven't got into them. And uh, One was... Well, this, set... this is actually a first for our <laughs> Cinescare podcast. We have yeah. yet to talk about Matt's novels. Yeah, they look uh, super good. They look really good. They sound yeah. really good. But you tell me about it. Uh, well, they're they're basically. I was not expecting this, but it, they're they're basically set in my hometown uh, where I grew up. Where actually, well, Joe didn't grow up there, but where I grew up, he lives in I the area. I live there now. Yeah, yeah, he lives in the area now. I live in Burbank. He he lives back where I grew up, and uh, in Iowa, a town called Bettendorf, Iowa. And uh, so when I was a kid, I made up all these stories about different parts of the town and there were a couple parks that were especially spooky to me and there was one called Devil's Glen and you it just it had a different feel to it no matter what time of year it was you'd walk you'd go in there it just felt dark there were so many oak trees everywhere it just felt dark there was a creek that ran through it with some caves and so I'm kind of made up stories in my head about things that went on at that park and just the name Devil's Glen. And there was an Indian uh, legend about that area, uh, about these devils that lived in that area. And that's where the name of the park got its name. And the, the, um, it was a legend of the Devils of the Glen. And that was this old Indian legend. And uh, so all of those things just came together. And that's how I came up with the story. And of course, once I started reading or writing it, uh, it took off from there. But it's kind of a, I guess, sort of Stranger Things-esque story um, where these kids are, there's a boy named Jack who um, has powers, but he doesn't know it yet. And it just goes from there. And, there's, and he lives in a town that is haunted. So it, there's more to it than that. And he has... Uh, uh, a lot of Does, adv- adventures or whatever. And then part two is a continuation of it. Oh, that's what I was going to ask if it was yeah. uh, reprising the same characters. So is yeah. there going to be more to that? There's a third book that I'm, I'm <laughs> that I have just been procrastinating on. I, 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 I put aside to write this other book that I wrote that I'm um, trying to get sold right now. Uh, it's with a publisher right now. So I'm just waiting to hear uh, if it doesn't sell that I'm going to figure out something with it. But uh, but if it if it goes to this publisher, then woohoo! Uh, and I sh- I'm hoping to hear any time. Uh, but if not, then I don't know. Hey, I might give it to you and then uh, see if you want to add to it, and we can double co-author it. Uh, I I heard the third book in the series. Jack introduces his uh, sidekick Joe, who also has <laughs> super to- powers. So. Joe from <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> I did. Uh... Just just to throw this into the wind here, I did ask Matthew if he wanted to write something with me sometime. Yeah, I you did, and I uh, I didn't like read the, <laughs> the thing that you sent me. It you know how it did is. Did you send it to him on Facebook? Yeah, was I, it on Messenger? I, I don't, remember. Yeah, he I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I I haven't gotten around to reading that yet. Um, but I might if if I don't sell this book, I might send it to you and because uh, there's a, there's some sections that I think some I, I think need to be worked on. Anyway, we could talk about that some other time. Uh but so I want to cuz we're getting to that time, I do want to read a uh a portion of Mr. Ruman's book. Can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. Midsummer is a bad movie. All right, continue. <laughs> I wholeheartedly disagree. Uh okay, so I, I'm not going to give you any background on this, mostly because, uh, well, basically what happens is a character named Toby wakes up, and he, I think he, he wakes up because he has heard something going on in the house, and he decides to investigate. Is that about right, Patrick? I, b- I believe that's right, right? I think he, yeah, I think he wakes up and he hears a sound, and yeah. uh, he thinks it may be coming from a certain location in okay. the house. Okay. 
So I'm going to read this for you, and this will be in lieu of our normal ghost story at the end of the episode. Directly above Toby, the floor groaned. The sound was soft, but he happened to be staring straight at where the sound seemed to stem from. An epiphany came. Maybe that was where the cold air was getting in. The attic. There was probably little to no insulation between the ceiling of his bedroom and the floor of the attic. He wasn't sure if there was any for anything for that matter, with, that, with what little knowledge he had about the house's construction. And this wasn't the first time he heard sounds coming from the attic. The wooden groan came again, only this time louder, with a different weight behind it. Not like wind at all. Don't, don't use wind sound effects there, Joe, because it's not like wind. It's a different kind of sound. So like rain? You'll figure it out. That's up to you. (laughs) The first thing his mind imagined was a person standing there, right over his head, staring out the window that he somehow remembered was there. He didn't have to wait long before another groan came. This one in nearly the same location, but not quiet this time, as if whatever was moving had shifted a foot or so to the side. He considered the possibilities. Perhaps his uncle, Robbie, was up there. Before going to bed, his father had briefly mentioned how he and Robbie had talked, and Robbie would be staying with them for a little while. But Robbie had chosen the small room next to Trevor's bedroom, or that's what he had thought. Toby hadn't really stuck around to discuss it, eager to get to bed and a new day rolling. Maybe Robbie had seen how big the attic was and chose that room instead. He, he recalled then that just above him was also where the little room was, the attic being split nearly in half into two separate areas. The idea of Robbie taking the attic seemed more realistic the longer he let the thought float around in his head. The room above him could be Robbie's bedroom, while the rest of the attic could function as a sort of entertainment area. It could be like having your own little apartment up there. The idea was appealing to him, if only the attic didn't creep him out for some strange reason. The groan came again, only this time it continued for a few seconds before tapering awake. There was a loud thud. Toby jerked up, leaping from this bed straight for his feet. His heart was pounding, his breaths heavy and loud. What the hell was that? He thought he could hear a whimper like someone crying, but he was too far off to tell if it was real or just some trick of the breeze. He was a little scared, but also curious and a little annoyed. If it was Robbie being loud up there in the middle of the night watching videos on his phone or something. Toby hadn't been sleeping, but it was the principle of the matter. He decided he would go check out the room that was supposed to have been Robbie's. He cracked the door quietly. A small part of him concerned that what was upstairs was actually an intruder, and he didn't want to tip it off that someone was in the house awake. He inched his way down the hall much slower than he had on his way to the bathroom. As he passed by his parents' room on the left, he considered waking his dad, but changed his mind when he remembered how exhausted his dad had seemed the day before. And if this static thing turned out to be nothing, his dad would be pissed. He would have to brave this one out himself. He turned away from his parents' door. If he reached Robbie's room and his uncle was in there, what then? That would leave far fewer options. And and answer one, the primary one, being that there really was an intruder upstairs. He guessed then he could just wake Robbie for the protection. His uncle was at least for the most part more physically intimidating than his dad was. But he hoped it wouldn't come to that. He neared his uncle's room and felt his pulse quicken. He now hoped much more that his uncle wouldn't be in the bedroom. The idea of going upstairs and asking Robbie to chill out so he could get some sleep seemed a lot easier to tackle than waking Robbie up to combat an intruder. The bedroom door was cracked open just a few inches, which Robbie didn't remember seeing during his return from the bathroom. He nudged it open just a little further just far enough to peek his head in like a gopher out a hole and to get a look around the room. It was empty. A barely measurable wave of relief surfaced under Toby's skin. He pulled in a breath and laughed silently at how childish he was being. 
Of course, it was Robbie upstairs and not some burglar. He had allowed his imagination to get the best of him. If it were a burglar, why in the world would he have been in the attic? Even if he was there to steal, there wasn't anything up there to steal. He continued past Robbie's room a little more confidently and then stopped at the attic door. He started to turn the door handle, but thought he heard a sound and let it go, whipping around to see Paisley's bedroom. He stood for a moment staring at the door, but didn't hear it again. It was probably just his little sister rolling over in bed, sleeping exactly like Toby should have been doing. He twisted the attic door handle slowly and pushed it open. A bitter chill rushed out to meet him. That was it. At least one problem was solved. The cold air was definitely coming from the attic. He shivered, hugging himself for warmth, considering for a moment returning to his own room for a hoodie. The door at the peak of the stairs was open. He wondered if that was the way he left it when he had hurried out to meet that girl. The room at the top was enveloped in darkness. The stairs were not as loud and creaky as he had expected them to be. He pushed the second door open slowly, surprised his uncle hadn't heard him coming up and moved to meet him at the door. No one was there to meet him, just the darkness and the strange cold. He glanced at the two windows. They were closed, of course. Everything was quiet. He couldn't quite see into the second room from where he stood, the room above his own, and wondered if maybe Robbie had already gone back to bed. What was also strange was that the attic was bone-chillingly cold, but he didn't feel a breeze at all, not even the slightest sign of air circulating in from the outside. But sure as hell, the cold was there, and it was spreading and freezing the rest of the house. He walked quietly over to the door, separating the two parts of the attic. He wasn't going to stick around long, not really wanting to wake Robbie if he had gone back to bed. He wasn't actually mad at his uncle for being loud, Half the reason he got up from his bed now that he really thought about it was because he was bored and wanted to do something. Had he ever really thought there was an intruder? Seemed like a silly thought now. As soon as he stepped through the doorway, he froze in place. He wanted to be afraid, but his mind could not seem to manage that. It just shut down, frozen along with the rest of him. A woman stood in front of the window, one of the windows that faced the road out front doing something in front of her that Toby couldn't entirely make out, but could see because, impossibly, Toby could see through the lady. Her insides were like a nearly transparent curtain, a thin layer of fog standing there in the shape of a person. She was going at something wildly, whining and crying as she did so. First, he took a step back, thinking that his best option was to run and get help because this person or thing was a girl didn't mean she was safe but it wasn't a girl it couldn't have been you can't see through a person it was as if the woman hadn't even noticed he was there yet she just continued with what she was doing hunched forward focused in on whatever was in front of her that had her attention his curiosity pulled him forward. He stuck close to the wall and maneuvered to the left to catch a glimpse of what she was doing. As he got closer, just inches away from being able to see, a thought shot through his mind of a massive butcher knife in her one hand, a sharpener in the other, as she drew the knife into a wicked, razor-shaped blade. But it was at the window's latch that she was working. In her hand was not a knife, but rather a screwdriver which she appeared to be trying to wedge underneath the latch. She continued her whining, clearly upset that whatever she was trying to do was not working. As he reached forward, ready to touch her shoulder and stupidly ask what she was doing, she turned, shooting a glance at him. But it wasn't anger or murder in her eyes like he had expected, but absolute fear on a level that he had not only never seen, but couldn't even imagine. And she wasn't looking at him. She was looking just to his side at the door he had just entered through. All right, a good creepy little segment there. 
of Mr. I'm sorry about the airplanes. I'm not sure how loud those were, but uh, of Mr. Patrick Ruman's A Place So Wicked, a book that came out. What's that? I thought those were sound effects. Like I thought he was like on like a soundboard or something, <laughs> trying to make it creepy. No, we'll we'll make it creepy in post. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. A place so wicked uh, is out right now. It is a bestseller. It uh, was right up there with Stephen King and a bunch of other books at, at one time. How's it doing now? It's still selling very uh, very well. It goes up and down daily, but it's still in the top. I got my copy. I don't think it's ever been out of the top 30 in, in the haunted house category no. since it came out. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations yeah. to you, Mr. Ruman. You've done it, and you've done it. Well-deserved. Yeah, and you've done it on your own merit, with your own words, and your own, uh, without, you know, a company behind you pushing for it and everything. That That's the way to do it, and, uh, uh, and you get to keep it all yourself, or at least as much as they would be taking. Heck yeah, and uh, I know you guys are trying trying to go here, but uh, I just wanted to say something to Matthew. Uh, Midsummer is uh, <laughs> is not very good. It, I just wanted to let you know that it it doesn't make any sense when they uh, when they they people, their friends are disappearing all around them. They're in the middle of nowhere, and all the characters are just kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, Jake's gone, Bob's gone. Eh whatever yeah it's it's a bit <laughs> like oh someone just someone just fell off a cliff and, and smashed their head yeah. no big deal I guess we'll, we'll stick just, around we'll just stay here and we'll yeah. stick around we'll hang out I, I don't know where my friends are there's blood over there whatever yeah, yeah. i don't think it's supposed to be taken literally it's definitely dream logic sir yeah uh, but uh, we will have to agree to disagree. suspension of disbelief yeah yeah uh we'll have to agree to disagree on this one uh I, I don't love that movie i definitely love uh hereditary way more but uh Yes. I don't like that one either. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, now it, the, we have to. We, we should have discussed this yeah, first. To, yeah. what, <laughs> what kind of relationship is that? Her husband's just kind of like, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, I just saw, I just saw the ghost That's things. The but, I mean, whatever. That's you got to do it in, a, he's in, in denial. an Irish accent, though. Yeah, yeah, he's That's in denial. Denial. That's the point. Uh, yeah. I think he's the most interesting character in a horror movie in years. Um, and I love the I love the family relationship. Oh no, that that you you need to go back and watch it. You're not watching it right. As uh, exactly, I watched it. I, I watched it. I, I watched Hereditary. I didn't like it, and then I thought, well, everybody said you know it's just there's a lot to it, and so I went back to it like a year later and watched it again, and I was just as disappointed. Oh, I, but I we're all in agreement that. that Psycho Gorman was horrible, right? What what movie? Psycho Gorman. I can't say I've ever heard of it. Oh, it was a Shutter original. Yeah, it was. It's like it's on Shutter. Terrible movie. No, it's awful, yeah, awful. The worst. The worst horror movie ever made was See No Evil Two because there's a scene in there where the killer's like chasing everybody and this woman's running. She's running and she's running and she they're in like a building of some sort and uh, she ducks into a bathroom and hides in the stall. And then, lo and behold, the killer is somehow in the stall, next stall over, already. <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, I don't think yeah, I've I seen See No Evil One. I don't. Re- I don't remember if I've even seen. See No the first Evil One, one isn't that bad, but See No Evil Two, I was literally just cracking up the whole time, and I was like, "This doesn't make any sense." But it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Mr. Ruman, thank you so much for being a part of our show. And uh, yes, thank you very much. Our listeners out there, please look him up. Uh, you can find his books well anywhere that you uh, would get your books. Uh, Amazon is is a convenient option, so uh, look him up on Amazon. And uh, please also, when you read his, give him a review, uh, rate and review this young man because he uh, depends on those things. He, we all do. Absolutely. And speaking of rating and reviews, give us one. Uh, you've just listened to another Cinescare episode, so tell us what you think. For some reason I thought you were about to say, speaking of raping and review, I was like, what are you... <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I was not bringing that up at Thank all. Thank goodness. Rate, rating with a T yes, and rating review. rating and yes. review. Yes, please do that on your podcast app of choice, uh, if it's Apple Podcasts or whatever. Uh, like we said before, those things really help. And if you would like your Cinescare gear... 
uh, go to www.cinescarehorror.com. And uh, I just got a phone case that and these things are really well made. They're very nice and and solid. Yeah. They're uh and the the logo is in there. It's like baked into the the case. I I was expecting I don't know what I was expecting, but it's high quality. Yeah, it ain't no sticker. No. Uh okay. Well, that's it for this week and oh, by the way, Joe, this show is actually coming out on my birthday. So Hey, happy yeah. birthday, man. This will be coming out... 63? Uh, 63 years old, that's right. This 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 will be coming out on August... 63 years young. Yeah, 63 years young. No, I'm not 63, but I'm not 43 either. <laughs> but uh, this, this will be coming out on my birthday, August 6th, so, uh, you know... I don't, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, except for I'm fishing for people to say happy birthday to me. Yeah. All right. Well. We can do that. Yeah. I guess my birthday gift was Mark not being here. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. No, I'm Mark. curious about the Mark guy. Yeah, no. that, that, You're going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> That's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. No, no, no. I'm kidding. We love the, we love the super fan. Uh, and uh, he will be back next time for those of you who missed him. Uh, until then, we hope to see you next time. Good night, everybody. Farewell. Happy birthday.